Thank you for calling Gaywire. Your call is very important to us. Press 1 for fourth wave feminism. Press 2 for a strangely in-depth discussion about where the worms have gone. Press 3 for... You have chosen option 3. Please stay on the line. choosing option three. You've reached Gaywire, where everything is at least a little bit queer. I'm your host, Jean-Viev, and I use any pronouns. And my name is Artemis, and my pronouns are she, her. You are listening to CJSR 88. On today's episode, we listened to an interview with Jasper Oranger, a local furry who spoke with Terrence about their experiences in the community like early fursuiting, and other things such as the origins and the terms and definitions from the community. But before we get into that episode, Jean-Viev, how are you doing today? I'm a little bit chilly. The snow is kind of cold, but I'm Me, really, really excited for the holidays. I, I'm, I'm in the same kind how of boat, you, you know, uh, it's very frightening walking to school every day with all this snow and ice everywhere I stepped out Mm -hmm. of the car and I did a little a little hardcore dance where I was like sideways completely and my legs were moving without my body and yeah it's not a good time you know um Mm-hmm. I have definitely fallen on my face yeah, a couple times too many already already and well I, I, I uh, call me crazy but I wish there was just a little bit more snow this I feel like the global warming is kind of punching me in the face right now because there is no snow here in St. Albert Mm-hmm. I feel like it is a lot colder than it is snowier and I think it should always be the opposite for maximum fun and snowman agree. potential. Um, a fun thing yeah. that happened in my life today is that I finally, after like three years, have found out what this song that's been stuck in my head that entire time is. Feel So Good by Chuck what Man- song? Mangione, I think is the how you say that name. I don't recognize the title at all, but now I think... No, and that's the thing. Yeah. I, I don't recognize the title either. I don't I have no clue where I got the song stuck in my head, but it, for years, it's just been the... <laughs> just for years. Mm-hmm. I'm very proud of your uh, recent accomplishment, Artemis. Yeah, I, I feel so I feel so liberated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get I can get that. Is there anything exciting going on in your life, Genevieve? In my life, almost every single person I know's birthday spans from the middle of November to the middle of December. So I have spent an incredible amount of money on gifts, including my own. Um, 
on top of Christmas, that, that's got to be tight. Yeah, but you, uh, you get a lot of free food when uh, you go out and announce it's a birthday. So that is my bonus of the month. That's true. And, you know, if everyone you know is birthdays in that time, then you must be rather wealthy during the other time of the year. <laughs> oh, yes. I spend much more happy money in the summer. I'm glad to hear it. Uh, well, audience, that was probably enough fiddle-faddling, lollygagging, and, uh, well, lollygagging for one episode. I think it's time that we introduce Jasper or Ranger and their interview with Terrence about the furry community. Let's hop right Jean-Via, into the why interview. Well, my human name is Jasper, uh, but my persona's name, what I go by within the fandom is Ranger. Um, and my pronouns are he or it, whatever you prefer. Many of our listeners might not know what being a furry actually is. So could you, in the broadest possible terms, sort of explain what is a furry? Oh, absolutely. So a furry is a very broad definition, thankfully. Um, It's pretty much like any other internet subculture. If you've ever heard of things like cosplay, uh, anime fans, uh, they they have various different names. Uh, There's a bunch of different internet subcultures based around being fans of things like anime and movies and games were kind of like that but instead of like a specific movie or game or series we just kind of uh make all of our media and do all of our content around the concept of anthropomorphic animals which is animals with human traits so think like disney or pixar um that's why you get kind of these big uh two-legged animal suits walking around that's called fursuiting uh but not all furries fursuit, um, but it certainly is the most uh, intense part of the fandom, I think. How, how did you discover that you were a furry, that this was something that like you vibed with? Oh, honestly, uh, it started when I was really, really young. I was a little autistic kid growing up, still am, I guess, but I didn't have a lot of real life friends at the time. And so a lot of my friends were made on the internet because I was a lot more of an open place for me to be. Uh, there were other weird people online and eventually I made some friends there. And turns out a few of them were also furry. So I was about 13. I had had a really bad day at school. Uh, and one of my best friends at the time was like, hey, uh, do you want a fursona? <laughs> Would that help you feel better? And I was like, maybe, yeah. I think that's really cool. So we spent a little afternoon designing uh, Ranger eventually, uh, which is a fursona now. Um, and it was just a really lovely little experience. And every step I took further into the fandom, I was just welcomed with open arms. And it was super lovely. So. Yeah, here I am seven years later. <laughs> no, that's awesome. So how would you like describe the general um, ambiance of the furry community? Honestly, uh, I mean this with full affection and full respect. Um, it's a heavily queer and neurodivergent uh, space and it is aggressively welcoming. Um, like that is the, the first thing that really comes to mind. It's It's a subculture, and I think the important thing to notice about that is that a lot of us are people that have been kind of kicked out, quote unquote, of regular culture. And so we've forged a very open and accepting place. Obviously, there's no tolerance for like bigotry, racism, any of these kinds of things. Um, 
I've seen homophobes get kicked out of cons like instantaneously. It really is aggressively welcoming. Um, and I think that's my favorite part of it. I know I can just be myself. Um, yeah, it's super lovely. So talking a little bit more about the idea of a fursona, um, could you tell us a little bit about what a fursona is and a little bit more about yours? Sure. Uh, a fursona is just a play on words of the word persona. It's just a way you present yourself. Um, if you were, to, for example, LARPing, live action role playing or playing D&D or cosplaying, um, sometimes people will cosplay like their own self as insert OCs. Um, and a persona or a persona within either of these kind of fandoms is just kind of a representation of who you are. Sometimes for people, it's like their ideal self. Sometimes it's a very realistic version of themselves. Some people have multiple personas for multiple reasons or scenarios. So it's a very personal experience and not every furry is going to have one, but a lot of people will kind of have their favorite OC that they've had for a while and it may or may not represent them, but you know, a good chunk of us do tend to have personas or at least an idea of persona that you know yet to put down on paper and how about your own persona what was it like to discover ranger and like develop that idea oh my goodness well he's been just as much of a process as I've been um when I first started being like introduced to the furry fandom I was just a little uh cisgender girl <laughs> um and his species was completely different. I think he was some hybrid. I was 13. So he was some like hybrid. He was a dog and a dragon and a fairy and all these other, um, you know, the term for that is a sparkle dog within the fandom. Uh, very uh, over the top, if you will. And throughout the years, the elements that I've dropped and added to him uh, just kind of, it. as a character, he's developed along with me. And so I've, definitely forged kind of bond to him um he definitely does feel more like me some days than the human me just because he was never really limited by like what human people expected of him he just kind of became what he was and that's what he always will be <laughs> yeah that's beautiful so fursuiting is something so I see that you have your fursuit with you and you made it yourself right I did, I did some degree uh I've been making costumes and sewing since I was really really young it's just fascinated me ever since I was little uh and fursuiting was a natural extension of that um I didn't actually make the base that his head is on like the plastic kind of skull if you will underneath uh, that I ordered uh, from a fursuit making company called Fuzzbutt Fursuits. Uh, just going to plug them really quick. They're lovely. They 3D print the, the bases. Um, but I patterned the head and I did all the fur and I did all the lining and I made the paws for it uh, completely from scratch. Um, and it's I've made fursuits before, like carved out of foam myself, but I just wanted to save some time. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, yeah, he's just got a little plastic skull under there but everything uh, that is not that plastic skull was made by me <laughs> and I'm super proud of him. That's awesome. How long did it take you to uh, put everything together? Oh my goodness. Well this is only technically called a partial suit. Right now I only have the head and the paws and the tail done. I didn't make the tail. My friend Gunner did um, and my goodness just the head and the paws without having to make the base. It took me a good two or three months to do this. Um, if you're doing the full suiting where you have the entire like big padded out body where the legs look like dog legs and like all these, you know, big fluffy kind of suits, those can take, you know, 
six months to a year to complete, depending on, because you're essentially making a tailor-made suit, but out of a really tricky fabric, tricky and expensive fabric. So they can really take some time because they're completely bespoke usually. Ugh. <laughs> so uh, yeah. why make the fursuit? Honestly, that is an excellent question. I think a lot of it is the same philosophy as cosplay. Like it's just the medium that we prefer showing our affection to this concept with. It's like, there's a lot of costume makers who that's what we do, right? Um, and costume design is just how we connect with it. Um, some people just like the acting portion of it. I know I used to be a theater kid. So obviously that factors in just being able to drop that persona and like having the mask on is kind of like, it's an invitation to just kind of drop who you are in your human life and just kind of be this character for a while. And that's super freeing for some folks. Um, so some people do it just for the mechanics. Some do it for like the actual like performing experience. Um, I know a lot of people too, like their persona is their, it's a, it's a good way to cope with like dysphoria, especially gender dysphoria. Um, like when I was younger, my persona was male presenting long before I ever knew what that meant um it, this was around the same time that i was like playing male characters in D D, and like i'd always pick the boy and whatever um and when i developed ranger he just always was kind of a boy from the very start um and so the fursuit especially i know for a lot of people you can it, it becomes a, a an expression of who you really are you can bind under it. You can, you know, do other gender affirming things underneath this suit and have it reflect who you are to people around you. Um, and so I know a lot of people, it just offers that relief for a second because you know that people are seeing you kind of in your entirety, maybe through a persona, but they're still seeing you in your entirety. Um, it's really lovely, actually. <laughs> yeah, because you have a sort of degree of control over the perception that other people are going to view you as that you don't have without that on yeah i've even seen people take uh, their old fursuits pre-transition that like you know uh were male like presenting with them and then they refurbished their suit and changed it along with them to better it's like to better reflect who they are now it really is one of those things that it is a deep reflection of who we are on the inside and i think it's really cool <laughs> well it can be um do you want to elaborate a little bit more about it being a reflection of who you really are inside sure uh i mean it's this way for some people i i would posit most people but it certainly doesn't apply this way to everyone some people just make whatever persona and that's that um for example i made my best friend katie uh an opossum persona and she's not a furry but she's now an opossum uh <laughs> but yeah for me personally um i think it's just because i've had ranger for so long and he's represented me in such a big part of my life like so much of my social circle, so much of what I do in my life. Every year I make the trip up to Edmonton for Foray, which is like the kind of local convention. Um, it, it's so much of who I am. It, it's more than just a hobby almost. It's my social life. It's my, well, obviously my hobby too. I do the sewing. and It was also my livelihood for a while. I made costumes on commission. Like it's so much of who I am. It's kind of the way I interact with the fandom is kind of, become a reflection of who I am and as has Ranger he just he's been my representation in this area of my life for so long it's kind of it's hard to explain but some days he's more honestly like me than I am because in real world society you kind of have to 
adhere to a certain set of rules or be deemed weird for the rest of your life. And, you know, I've already been deemed weird. I don't have much to lose. You know, there's certain things that you shouldn't be in a job interview and weird is one of them. Uh, so I've made peace with my weirdness. Um, but within the furry fandom, no one's going to call you out on being weird because we're all kind of weird and we all kind of acknowledge that. Um, and it's not something to be shamed of. And so Ranger is a direct product of what happens when you don't really shame people for being exactly what they are. Um, he's still a bit of a sparkle dog now. He's still like part fairy, but that's, yeah, it's weird. It's a little strange. It's a little over the top still, but no one's going to shame me for it. And that's what I think counts. <laughs> um, so how about actually yeah. like going out um, in your fursuit? How, how does that feel? Honestly, it is so much fun. Uh, it's a little bit scary because honestly, you can't see very well and you don't really know who's around you. But um, overall, people usually have really amazing reactions and just being able to hang out and vibe and make people like kind of double take during their day is really, really fun. Um, just getting to be silly and interacting with people and giving them something to talk about. Just it, it's not a whole lot on the balance sheet of life, but it is really fun just in general and being able to like, you know, interact with people. I'm not very good at meeting new people or saying hi or just dropping a conversation, but like, I can look over at someone in fursuit and like smile in suit because my jaw works right in suit. So I can smile and wave. And that's, you know, <laughs> one of the ways that I'm comfortable interacting with people. And it's not like there's any weirdness or obligation to come any closer. It's just like a hi, you know, and it's fine. Um, especially like when kids get all excited about it, kids have the funniest reactions to this suit and it's worth it almost for that. I can hide like little uh, treats in my paws and make sure they're always peanut free and everything. Just like little, you know, suckers and whatever. Always wrapped, always like clean and whatever. And I can just kind of produce them with sleight of hand out of my paws because I have little finger escapes. Um, and it's just like a little trick I do. And it's just, it's so lovely. And you know, it's like, oh, that's going to be a core memory for them maybe. Um, but yeah, just being part of that. It, it's a really it's a more comfortable way for me to interact with people than like with just my regular old human face on when I'm in fursuit it's kind of a little bit easier and there's something there breaking the ice yeah that's cool um and how about fursuiting like with other furries like in a in a group setting oh we instantly become the strongest people in the area it's hilarious um people always assume that like we're going somewhere or we're like <clears throat> Pardon me, people always assume that we're going somewhere or that we're part of something or that there's like something going on. And it's like, no, we're just a group of weird people hanging out, having a good time. Uh, and it's something about being in a group, people start to like, sometimes you can draw crowds and it's a little bit intimidating. It's a little scary, but usually we have people called handlers with us, just folks out of suit ready to like, you know, intervene for safety reasons. Um, so we've got handlers and people to keep us safe usually. Um, but you can sometimes amass quite a crowd and people are like taking videos and having a good time and asking questions. And like, it, it really is like, a, <laughs> it tends to be a group Q&A session um, with most people like, what are you guys doing this for? Like, what's, what's going on? And it's like nothing. We're just kind of weird people having a good time. Uh, but it gives people like an opportunity to talk about themselves too and I think it's a really really cool way to break the ice and when you're out in groups you certainly like start turning heads <laughs> uh, but it's a delight usually no that sounds super fun 
switching gears a little mm-hmm. bit, there are a lot of like misconceptions about what being a furry is. Um, so would you be able to maybe clear up some of the more common ones? Absolutely. Um, as with most internet subcultures, the main kind of issues we've got are creeps and weirdos and nonsensical behavior that is just not appropriate. Um, And it is a problem, and I will say that it is a problem that exists throughout the entirety of the internet. Um, And there are a lot of sensationalist stories about things that have happened at furry conventions and whatnot. And obviously there's gonna be a lot of those stories because within internet subcultures, unfortunately, that's where all of these harmful people tend to flock to because it's the internet and because it's so unfiltered they tend to think that they're welcome here but luckily 90 percent of the actual community is defiantly against these people there's websites to like track down dangerous folks and ban them there's entire like servers and websites and forums dedicated to tracking down people who could even be a minor threat um ban lists for cons tend to be pretty universal and you know, it, there's obviously going to be those sensationalist stories of these awful individuals who are terrible and, you know, ugh. Um, but they certainly don't reflect on the most of us. Most of us are just there to have a good time and are equally as horrified about those allegations. Um, you know, there's creeps and weirdos everywhere you go. Um, and it's just unfortunate that they feel comfortable within so many internet subcultures. I wish there was a way to like effectively weed them all out, but they just crawl out from the woodwork and we got to smash them as they come. So something that definitely interests me is the big overlap between the queer community, the furry community, along with neurodivergent folk. Um, So what do you have to say about that intersection? I know we talked about it a little bit at the beginning. Honestly, I think a vast majority of it has to do with, um, because I'm autistic and queer myself. I don't know if I mentioned that earlier. Um, But growing up the way that I am, uh, I I never really felt accepted in general society. And I think that's kind of the case for a lot of us, not going out on a limb here, but you know, I think that's kind of the case for a lot of us. And so I I figure that a lot of us kind of, maybe it's not the furry fandom, but I think, you know, a lot of us are drawn to subcultures and like the punk subculture, you see a lot of trans people in the, bless their hearts. I wish that were me, you know? Um, but we kind of subculture exists as a way for, you know, people who are shunned from regular culture to band together and make our own kind of spaces. And that's kind of exactly what the furry fandom is. And then I, this is my own kind of theory, but there is, I, now there was an actual test done because there is, I forget his name, heaven forbid. Um, but it's the sources furryscience.com. I know that sounds insane, but the fellow who did the actual statistics, they went around and surveyed a bunch of furries for statistics and things. And I, th- they, I, think, I think it was at Anthrocon, which is one of the biggest cons, but it was a pretty sizable number of people. Pardon me for forgetting the details. But there's something like a 10% of the fandom is just autistic. They didn't even screen for other neurodivergencies. They were like, how many of you are just autistic? And up to 11% of us were, 10 or 11%. And so that doesn't account for people who are ADHD, schizophrenic, OCD, these kinds of things. Um, So many furries seem to be neurodivergent or have mental health issues that kind of put us on the outside. 
And my own theory about that is that, I mean, for me, because of my autism, I often wasn't treated as very human. And so I related a lot more to the animals in my life. I could read their body language better. They seemed to not care that I was like this, right? Dogs were a special interest for me as a kid. I used to hang out at the SPCA and hang out with the dogs. I was nonverbal, and so they didn't care about that either, right? And I know that a lot of autistic people do tend to relate better to animals than people because they're not nearly as judgmental, you know? And so I think that might be part of the appeal for the furry fandom, like, Animals are so much better than people on so many different levels. And though the furry fandom isn't just animals these days, there's like planes and we've anthropomorphized anything. If, if you can anthropomorphize it, we've done it. Um, and we've even made new species like protogens and circles and the creativity is just there, right? People have really, it's such an open-ended experience and you can really make it whatever you want. And so I think it's no wonder that a bunch of, queer autistic people kind of gravitated towards each other with this you know it gives you a way to express yourself it's deeply creative you don't really have to be human and you know it's I think kind of a perfect storm and maybe that's why it attracts so many of us um and there's talking to furries is almost easier than talking to other people and I find it's because you know how they did that study a while ago on um there's not actually a communication gap between like like autistic people don't actually have a communication deficiency. It's just when we're talking to like neurotypical people, like autistic people talking to autistic people don't have that communication gap, right? And I think that's why the furry community feels like such a breath of fresh air getting into it as like a queer autistic person for me anyway. It's like, oh my goodness, these people communicate the same way I do. And so there's a lot of layers. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think when you look at it, it really does make sense. It's... Yeah. <laughs> especially for a generation Disney movies and Ghibli and Pixar and you know yeah unsurprising <laughs> that's super that's super <laughs> fun so um we've talked a little bit about the IRL experience um would you mind talking a little bit more about the internet experience because I know that you're like active on TikTok um and I assume that in your past, there's also been like some Tumblr, some Reddit, perhaps. Um. <laughs> a lot of the furry community is on Reddit. I've steered clear of it. Um, that is, well, I've, I've intentionally tried to steer clear of it, though I did land in a couple like r slash cringe comp ones. So that's my mark of success is I finally done it. I finally made it in the YouTube cringe compilation. Um, but that's my only interaction with Reddit. Uh, my first interaction with the furry fandom, like back in maybe 2012 through 2015 was primarily Instagram. Like, I think it was right at that peak. Yeah, because you know, Instagram, there was that side of it that was primarily like fandom based, like maybe not necessarily just furries, but like anime blogs and all of these other kind of fandom based um, blogs. Uh, so that was my first interaction with it. But recently it's become very much, uh, it's TikTok, it's Twitter, um, and a lot of furries do tend to have YouTube channels as well, especially a lot of like the poppy furs, which is not a word that is commonly used anymore, but one that I will evoke for the sense, for the sake of cringe. Um, but yeah, poppy fur is just someone who is like a more popular furry who can be recognized, like for example, telephone, uh, the like tan kind of deer-like angel dragon that most people recognize. Um, their suit goes around a lot. <laughs> um, 
but yeah so primarily there's like a bunch of fursuit makers on twitter and fursuit makers and performers on tiktok um there seems to be a whole new wave of like younger furries getting into like a dino mask kind of fursuit um like the jurassic park masks so there seems to be like this whole kind of age gap too between like the old guard furries like who are me who are like a little bit older and like over the pandemic it's like all these kids are like, I've decided I'm a furry now. And like, we welcome them with open arms. It's just like, why are there so many little dinosaurs running around? <laughs> um, but yeah, it's so cool. And the creativity that some of have, them have is just phenomenal. But yeah, I, I definitely think that TikTok is a big reason for that. Those dino masks became a trend. And now it's just like, people know about furries all of a sudden. <laughs> so that's just about all that I have to ask from you. Um, one more thing is I do love your little ears. They're adorable. Thank you. Oh my, goodness. Thank you. my goodness. Yeah, when I don't have enough energy to wear the whole suit, I just have this little headband that I wear with just the ears on. Yeah, that's super cute. Um, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today. Um, is there any final words that you'd like to share with anyone? Oh my goodness. Uh, I haven't got much uh, other than weirdness isn't necessarily a bad thing if it's not hurting anyone maybe you know leave that person alone <laughs> uh weirdness isn't inherently harmful and letting people be weird in public isn't necessarily offensive um i think it's part of the fun of being human and if anything it gives you something to talk about so you know live and let live <laughs> yeah well it's been it's been super great talking to you um i've had a great time uh learned lots yeah. I'm glad I haven't left a black mark on the furry fandom today. I've actually done some good. And that was Jasper or Ranger speaking with our good old pal Terrence about the furry community. And, and now we have a segment from our very own Chenille, uh, Homotextuals, which is a segment about uh, queer stories with happy endings. Hello and welcome to the next installment of Homotextuals. I'm your magical host, Shanil Renasinga. As part of the Gay Wire team here on CJSR 88.5 FM in so-called Edmonton, situated on Treaty 6 territory. First, the usual disclaimers. I am a cisgendered gay ace man of color with my own set of experiences. Therefore, my reviews are influenced and limited to those experiences. Also, I will frequently refer to the LGBTQ2S plus community using the word queer as a catch-all term, or for characters whose sexuality is expressed as not straight. I am aware that the word has been used as a slur in the past, with attempts to reclaim in the present, and may evoke mixed feelings. 
So if this is offensive or triggering for you, you have been warned. With that out of the way, let us turn the page. To start, we have The Witch Boy by Molly Knox Ostertag. This is a YA supernatural fantasy graphic novel that contains a character or characters who are trans. Trigger warnings include transphobia and gore. Aster has grown up in a world surrounded by magic where, as a man, he will learn to shapeshift. But Aster doesn't have the knack for shapeshifting. He cares more about what the girls are doing, spells, potions, and communicating with nature. Aster doesn't feel right in his skin. Maybe she doesn't feel right about a lot of things. For everyone who loves a good spooky read, whether it's Halloween or not, I think you'll love this book. Aster is a wonderful character and I would do anything to protect them from someone misgendering them. The art is interesting and really goes with the story that Ostertag is telling. For any of our younger readers, or anyone looking for an enjoyable, easy read, I hope you pick up The Witch Boy by Molly Knox Ostertag. For our next book, it's Winter's Orbit by Verna Maxwell. This book is science fiction, murder mystery, with a touch of romance. It contains a character or characters who are gay and or queer. Trigger warnings include domestic abuse, torture, and character death. In a galaxy far away from our own, the Iscat Empire rules through alliances and treaties. Then, with the tragic death of a prince that puts the already strained alliance with the planet Thea in jeopardy, a hasty political marriage between the deceased widow, Jainan, and the unruly prince Kim is arranged to stem any conflict. But all is not what it appears. The death of Jainan's ex-husband may not have been the accident that was publicized, and Jainan is one of the prime suspects. What will win? Power or the truth? For any aromantic listeners, this might be for you. The romance is definitely taped. The romance definitely takes a backseat to the intrigue and plot. While I am very much a romance consumer, I still enjoyed how well written I found this book, which is a big deal. If you're a big sci-fi nerd or just tired of the romance, pick up Winter's Orbit by Verna Maxwell. Moving on to An Unseen Attraction by K.J. Charles. This is a romantic murder mystery set in Victorian England that contains a character or characters who are gay and or neurodivergent and or a person of color. Trigger warnings include homophobia, racism, and death. Clem Tallyfer wants to live a quiet life running a lodge that was left in his care. Though he'll make an exception for Rally Green, a favorite lodger and frequent fireside companion. Forget the dreams Clem has of Rally being anything more, but just as their relationship begins to blossom, a corpse Violent men and betrayal plunge the two into a mystery that will either tear them apart or realize an unheard of love. This ticked a lot of boxes. We've got Victorian period piece, romance between men dressed impeccably, a gentle giant who just wants to be loved. I could go on forever. This was definitely a gem that I had not heard of until a friend recommended it to me. Clem is such a sweet, gentle soul, balanced by the pragmatic and sometimes gruff rally. If any or all these things interest you, go take a look for An Unseen Attraction by K.J. Charles. For the final book today, we have Nimona by Noelle Stevenson. This is a YA fantasy graphic novel with a character or characters who are gay. Trigger warnings include homophobia, violence, and gore. Nimona has been blessed with the ability to shapeshift, so she wishes to use her powers, 
for villainy. Insert maniacal laughter. And there is no better villain in the land than Lord Blackheart. Together, the team hopes to defeat Sir Ambrose's golden loin and let evil reign. The end. Okay, obviously not, but I'm trying not to spoil anything. I'll confess I wasn't sure to include this book as it is a little light on the gay, but I will say that the themes are very queer and honestly, if you ever watch Adventure Time, you'll love this book. This is also one of the first physical comics I ever read with a queer character in it, so it has a special place in my heart. If any of that has piqued your interest, consider reading Nimona by Noelle Stevenson. And that's all for this installment of Homotextuals. For those of you who are just tuning in, never fear. The books mentioned today were The Witch Boy by Molly Knox Ostertag, Winter's Orbit by Averna Maxwell, An Unseen Attraction by K.J. Charles, and Nimona by Noelle Stevenson. As always, all books are available at the Edmonton Public Library or your local bookstore. If you have any suggestions for book recommendations, please email gaywire at cgsr.com. And thank you very much, Neil, for that very awesome homotextual segment. I'll be sure to read all of those And that is all the time we have for today, friends. Gaywire is a production of CJSR 88.5 FM in so-called Edmonton on Treaty 6 territory. We acknowledge all the many First Nations, Métis, and Inuit whose footsteps have marked these lands for centuries, including but not limited to the Cree, Soto, Blackfoot, Métis, Dene, and Nakota Sioux. We recognize that colonialism is an ongoing and active violence and encourage you to reflect on your own relationship to colonialism and what accountability and growth look like for you and your communities. Give what you can and learn even more. Thank you to our guest. Today's Jasper show was produced by Shane Giles, Joe Victor Krieger, Ash Halinda, Terrence Adams, Chanel Renesinga, Genevieve Aslan, and Artemis Peasley. Follow Gaywire on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you download your podcasts. You can find us online at gaywire.transistor.fm and on Facebook and Twitter at Gaywire or at GaywireCJSR on Instagram and TikTok. Let us know what you think of the show. Hit us up the D- in the DM sometime, or if you want to be pretty fancy, you can also email gaywire at cjsr.com. And you never know, you might just become a part of the show. Our artwork is by Travis Erickson, and our original music is by Doug Hoyer and Catherine Hill. Uh, and make sure to not change the station after the airing of your favorite and only queer radio show in Edmonton, because... We have our music segment right after this. Until next week, keep it breezy and... Please stay on the line.